This sermon was preached at University Park Baptist Church in Houston, Texas. For more information about UPBC, visit upbchouston.org. If you're staying in here with us this morning, I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. This last Christmas, uh, we bought my daughter Emma a Kindle. Uh, Emma, Emma is a voracious reader. Uh, she reads all the time. In fact, just last night, we put her down to bed, and then I went into her room about 30 minutes later just to check on her, and she's sitting there reading her Kindle. And I said, Emma, it's time to go to bed. And she looked at me, and she said, I didn't tell you to come check on me now. I told you to come check on me 30 minutes from now. And I said, man, uh, who runs this house? Uh, she had a time limit on herself, and she had a time limit on when Dad should come check on her, uh, and that was when she was done reading. Uh, so we bought her a Kindle this past Christmas. And her favorite genre uh, to read is a good mystery. It's a good mystery. So she's currently making her way through the Boxcar Children um, set of mysteries. Uh, And I once asked her, I said, Emma, uh, why do you like to read mysteries? And she looked at me and she said, Daddy, it gives me the good shivers. (laughs) And I didn't know exactly what she meant by that. Uh, but I do know that she, anti- she enjoys the anticipation and the thrill that comes from uh, a good mystery. But I also know that sometimes those, ba- those good shivers become bad shivers. Uh, and we end up cuddled up on the couch watching music videos until she falls asleep. So I know it's not always good for her to read mysteries, but that's what she's into right now. You know, it's been said that the mystery genre is a most Christian of fiction genres. And I don't know exactly what that means either, because I don't particularly like mysteries, uh, though I do, I do really enjoy Father Brown. If you haven't watched it, it's a good, good show. Um, but the argument goes something like this, that a mystery novel follows the same style of drama that we find in the scriptures, that there's something dreadfully wrong, that there is a wicked one lurking in the shadows doing bad things. You might say that there's a prince of the power of the air who is even now at work in the sons of disobedience. And while a good mystery has this dark aura in the background, there is, in a good mystery, a hopeful expectation that by the end of the story, wrongs will be made right, that justice will be served, that love and joy and peace will triumph, that we will understand it better by and by. There's a thrill of hope and expectation And a good, satisfying mystery delivers on that hope. Well, when we turn our attention to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 13, we will find the longest extended section of Scripture that deals directly with the idea of mystery in the Bible. When we turn to this section, we find Paul starting what seems to be another thought, and then he digresses into this discussion about the mystery of Christ. Look with me at Ephesians chapter 3. Hear God's word to you this morning. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, 
as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is for your glory. Well, from these 13 verses, I want us to ask and to answer three questions. From these 13 verses, I want us to ask and answer three questions. First, what is the mystery revealed? What is the mystery revealed? Secondly, how is the mystery revealed? And thirdly, why is the mystery revealed? What is the mystery revealed? How is the mystery revealed? And why is the mystery revealed? Let's take a moment and pray, and let's ask God to help us as we consider his word. Let's pray. God in heaven, we are so thankful to gather around your word. We pray that your spirit would be at work in us so that we may perceive the wisdom of your word. God, we pray that what we know not, that you would teach us. Teach us what is the mystery revealed. God, we pray that what we have not, that you would give us. God, we pray that we would have great boldness and confidence and courage. And God, we pray that what we are not, you would make us. And that that is, make us more like Jesus Christ, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, is unpacking for us a mystery. A mystery. We've spent some time walking through chapters 1 and 2, and you may recall in chapter 1 where the Apostle Paul begins the letter with a great benediction, extolling and blessing the name of God for his predestination and his election, for his adoption and his redemption. And then the Apostle turns and he says that all of those things point to a great mystery. So look, look with me to Ephesians 1. Look at Ephesians 1 verse 9. All of these things in this benediction that Paul is giving in Ephesians 1, he gets to verse 9 and he says that all of these things have made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Jesus Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. And this is what the mystery is, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. And so Ephesians 1 verses 9 and 10 is a mystery revealed already in Ephesians. It's that great mystery that God is working all things according to the counsel of his will. That, that God is working all these things to unite all things in Jesus Christ. Things in heaven and things on earth. Ephesians 1 is like the Apostle Paul pulling back the veil. And we get a glimpse into the eternal purpose of God. 
to unite all things in Jesus Christ, to make Jesus Christ preeminent over all things, to see Jesus Christ as he really is, as the Lord of creation and the Lord of glory. This is the mystery that God from eternity past made known to the Ephesian Christians and is making known to us even this very day that Jesus Christ is Lord. But I've already preached two sermons on Ephesians 1, and I'm sure you don't want to hear me preach a third one. And I've already also preached two sermons on Ephesians 2, where Paul goes on to further unpack how exactly it is this redemption unfolds in time and space. So that in Ephesians 2, we read about our personal or individual salvation in Jesus Christ, verses 1 through 10. And then in verses 11 through 22, we read of our corporate salvation in Jesus Christ. And then we arrive at Ephesians chapter 3 where it's almost as if Paul's train of thought digresses for a moment. You can see that in verse 1. Paul Paul ends his thought in chapter 2, and then in verse 1 of chapter 3, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, and depending on your translation, but in the ESV, there's this long hyphen that's meant to give us the idea that Paul has stopped for a moment and thought to himself, I'm not done yet. And then he goes on in verse 2 from there. So we have this digression here in chapter 3 where Paul's train of thought digresses to reiterate for us the stewardship of God's grace, he calls it in verse 2. This mystery of Christ, he calls it in verse 4. And in this digression, I think we're given further explanation of what the mystery revealed in Ephesians 1 and 9, 1 uh, verses 9 and 10 is meant to be. If Ephesians chapter 1, 9 and 10 is the revelation of the cosmic mystery that, that, that God intends to unite all things in Jesus Christ, things in heaven and things on earth, that we might see Jesus Christ as he really is, the Lord of creation and the Lord of glory, then Ephesians chapter 3 verse 6, I think, is meant to reveal the mystery in time and space. The revelation of the mystery in flesh and blood. The revelation of the mystery in the church of Jesus Christ. And what is the mystery hidden for ages but now revealed? Ephesians 3 verse 6. This is the mystery that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus. And so if we're looking to see what it looks like that all things are being united in Jesus Christ, the mystery of Ephesians 1, then we look to the church of Christ where Jew and Gentile are submitted to Jesus Christ, united in Jesus Christ, in the church of Christ. Through the gospel, Jew and Gentile, anyone, just mind you, Jew and Gentile covers everybody. Anyone can be a fellow heir with Christ. God has, from the beginning, promised an inheritance to his people. To Abraham and Moses and David, these covenant mediators, God promised a place where God would be his people, with his people, and his people would be with him. And in Jesus Christ, God made his dwelling among us. And in the church of Christ, God is giving to Jesus Christ an inheritance from every nation and from all generations, making you, brothers and sisters in Christ, a co-heir with Jesus Christ. So the apostle Peter will say that God has given you, Christian, an inheritance that is imperishable, is undefiled, is reserved for you in glory. Brothers and sisters, do you know that you are a fellow heir with Jesus Christ? 
You have an inheritance that is imperishable and undefiled. It's reserved for you in glory with Jesus Christ. And so through the gospel, anyone can be a fellow heir with Christ. Through the gospel, Jew and Gentile, anyone can be a member of the body of Christ. God has, from the beginning, gathered a people for himself. From Adam in the garden, to Noah in the ark, to Abraham on his sojourn, to Moses in the desert, to David in his kingdom, to the remnant in exile, to Jew and Gentile in the church, God has promised a godly seed. And God has, is, and will fulfill his promise to gather together members of his body. And if we are members, brothers and sisters, one to another, then we are to care for one another. For what eye can say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or what head can say to the foot, I have no need of you. But God has so composed the body, beloved, that there should be no division in the body. But that its members should have mutual concern for one another. And so brothers and sisters in Christ, let us have mutual concern for one another. Because we are members of the body of Christ. Through the gospel... Anyone can be a member of the body of Christ. Through the gospel, Jew and Gentile, anyone can partake of the promise in Christ. God has, from the beginning, made promises to his people. Now, it's hard here to know exactly what specific promise Paul might have in mind. But the Apostle Paul, helpfully elsewhere, tells us that when God makes promises... That all of God's promises are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. The promise of redemption from sin and death and hell, yes and amen in Jesus Christ. The promise of adoption and fellowship in the family of God, yes and amen in Jesus Christ. The promise of love and joy, of peace and patience and all the fruit of the Spirit, yes and amen in Jesus Christ. The promise of life everlasting where death is dead and love is won. Yes and amen. In Jesus Christ, through the gospel, anyone can partake in all of God's promises that are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. This great mystery of Jew and Gentile, of everyone being united in Christ, these great blessings available to anyone in Christ, only available through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So elsewhere, the Apostle Paul will say that the gospel is of first importance. And so if any of you have ever wondered why it is that we at University Park Baptist Church take such great care to make the gospel clear in any situation we're in, particularly from this pulpit, if you've ever wondered why it is that we ask a prospective member, someone seeking to join this church, to share the gospel with the elders, it's because the gospel is of first importance. It is through the gospel that you become a fellow heir and a member and a partaker of the promise in Jesus Christ. It's only in the gospel and in the gospel alone. And so the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, is that Jesus Christ lived a sinless life that you could never live. Friend, you are a sinner. You are a rebel to God. But Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. He is truly God and truly man. 
and he never once sinned. He perfectly obeyed all of God's commands. Jesus lived the sinless life that you could never live. But more than that, more than that, Jesus Christ died the death that you deserve. The wages of your sin is death, but not so for the sinless Son of God. And yet Jesus Christ willingly laid down his life on the cross for anyone who would turn from their sins and trust in him alone. Jesus died the death that you deserve on the cross. But even more than that, sinner, sinner, come behold the wondrous mystery. Slain by death, the God of life, no grave could e'er restrain him. Praise the Lord. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Jesus Christ lived the life that you can never live. A life of sinless obedience to God. Jesus Christ died the death that you deserve. In your place condemned he stood. And Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Being the first fruits of the resurrection for any Jew and any Gentile. For everyone who comes to faith in him by God's grace. And this Jesus Christ ascended to the right hand of God the Father. And the Spirit of Christ has descended upon His church. And He is gathering together through the gospel men and women, Jew and Gentile, from every tribe and every tongue and every nation, awaiting that day when this great mystery will have its full revelation, when the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our God and of His Christ, and we will reign as co-heirs, as members of the body, as partakers of the promise with Jesus Christ in glory forever. This is the mystery that is revealed to us in Ephesians chapter 3. Secondly, how is that mystery revealed? How is the mystery revealed? Well, the mystery of Christ is revealed by God's grace through the ministry of the apostles and prophets to the world. By God's grace through the ministry of the apostles and prophets to the world. First, notice that in these verses, the mystery is revealed by God's grace. Paul calls it the stewardship of God's grace in verse 2. Paul says he was made a minister by God's grace in verse 7. That, through, that though he were the least of all the saints, this grace was given to him. Verse 8. Beloved, beloved, we should never grow tired or weary or get over the grace of God. This mystery of Christ was according to the eternal plan of God. Can you, can you wrap your minds around the reality that God in eternity purposed and planned all that we see in redemptive history? So that by the time we get to Ephesians chapter 3, Jesus Christ himself is the eternal plan revealed to us in verse 11. Do you see that this entire redemption story from first to last is purely of God's grace? This mystery, it is God's mystery. And it's his mystery to reveal when and where and how he wills. And God, in his sheer grace, has chosen to reveal this mystery in the fullness of time some 2,000 years ago through the ministry of the apostles and the prophets to the world. Friend, that includes you even this day. Even this day, God is revealing this mystery to you. And so I ask, what do you have, including this glorious gospel that has not come to you by the hands of a gracious God?
This mystery is revealed by God's grace. Next, notice that the mystery is revealed through the apostles and prophets. And in particular, there's lots of things we could say about the apostles and prophets, but in particular, it's revealed through the apostle Paul. So in chapter 3, verse 1, Paul refers to himself as a prisoner of Christ Jesus. A prisoner of Christ Jesus. Now remember that Paul was imprisoned when he wrote this Ephesians letter. And rather than saying he was a prisoner for Christ, or he was a prisoner because of Christ, he says he is a prisoner of Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul was held captive by Jesus Christ to be a minister of this mystery. And so in verse 2, Paul says that this ministry was given to him for you. Verse 3, that the mystery was made known to Paul by revelation, that God himself revealed the mystery of Christ to the Apostle Paul. Further, in in verse 7, Paul says that he was made a minister of this gospel by God's grace and the working of God's power. I think that all of these verses that describe Paul's apostolic ministry, and by apostolic ministry, I mean the ministry of an apostle, one who speaks with the authority of God, the ministry of a prophet, one who speaks the word of God, that all of these verses are meant to draw our minds back to that Damascus road in Acts 9, where Jesus Christ himself arrested Paul, and from there gave him this ministry by the Spirit of Christ. And that prophetic An apostolic ministry is set down for us today in the very inspired, in this very book, the inspired word of God. We are reading and studying a letter written by the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Spirit of God to reveal to us the mystery of Christ. God has given us a book, and by his grace and by his Spirit, through the ministry of the apostles and prophets, this book is a treasure of heavenly instruction. It has God for its author and salvation for its end and truth without any mixture of error for its content. And so, brothers and sisters in Christ, open your Bibles and hear God speak to you. If you would, look look for a moment at verse 5. Look for a moment at verse 5. Paul says that this mystery was not made known to the sons of men and other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. I just want to spend a little time talking about this verse in particular. I want to point out what Paul is not saying and what Paul is saying. Paul is not saying that the Spirit of God did not inspire men in the Old Testament to write the books of the Old Testament. That somehow the Old Testament must be unhitched from the New. No. In fact, the Spirit of God did inspire the Scriptures of the Old Testament as is testified elsewhere in the New Testament and throughout the Old Testament. Paul is also not saying that there are no prophecies in the Old Testament about the Gentiles being grafted in to the people of God. We see that prophecy in the very Abrahamic covenant that we've been studying in Genesis, where all the nations, all the nations, will be blessed by the seed of Abraham. We heard some of those prophecies this morning in the different scripture readings that were read from this pulpit. We also know the prophet Isaiah prophesies the same in Isaiah 42 and in Isaiah 60. The prophet Zechariah prophesies that all nations will worship the Lord in Zechariah 14. There was always in the Old Testament a clear revelation that the people of Israel were a light unto the nations and that all the nations would be blessed. So how is this mysterious revelation in Ephesians different? 
from the revelation of old. Well, it's different in this one main respect. This revelation, this revelation of Christ revealed. It's the mystery of Christ revealed. The great difference is the clarity by which the apostles and New Testament prophets understand that all the nations of the earth will be blessed in Jesus Christ, the son of Abraham, the son of Adam, and the son of God. It's in Christ alone our hope is found. Not the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, not your ethnic heritage, not your partisan affiliation, not your social class, not your religious deeds. Your victory over sin and death and hell is in Jesus Christ alone. So this mystery was revealed through the ministry of the apostles and the prophets, and it was revealed to the world. Look with me at verses 8 and 9. Verses 8 and 9. To me, Paul says, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Notice that the mystery revealed here to the Apostle Paul was preached to the Gentiles and to everyone, to the world. This predestined, electing, adopting, redeeming mystery was preached to everyone. So brothers and sisters, we ought to follow the example of the Apostle Paul when we preach the unsearchable riches of Christ to the world. We should endeavor to bring to light for everyone through the teaching of the Bible what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God. Brothers and sisters, open your Bibles. And more than that, open your mouths and tell people about Jesus. Teach them the Bible. And as we do, beloved, God will add to our number all those appointed unto life. Fellow heirs, members of the body, partakers of the promise, in Christ Jesus, as we open the Bible and we open our mouths and we tell people the gospel of Christ. This is how the mystery is revealed by God's grace, through the ministry of the apostles and prophets to the world. Well, we've considered what is the mystery, what is the mystery revealed, how the mystery is revealed. Now let us briefly consider why is the mystery revealed. The mystery of Christ is revealed. Look at verse 10. So that, and anytime you're reading your Bibles and you come across a, a phrase like so that, it's a purpose statement. So that... Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Why is the mystery revealed? The mystery of Christ is revealed through the church for God's glory and for our good for God's glory and for our good. Paul tells us that the mystery is revealed through the church's witness to Jesus Christ so that the manifold wisdom or multifaceted wisdom of God might be made known. It might be made known. So when we teach and preach, when we minister and proclaim the eternal purpose of God that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, we are showing forth God's incredible wisdom and God gets the glory What motivation, brothers and sisters, to glorify God by telling people about Jesus? Don't you want to give God glory? 
Don't you want sinners to come to faith in Christ and so glorify God? They, they see the power and the majesty and the glory and the wisdom of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Don't you want that, beloved? So open your Bibles and open your mouths and tell people about Jesus. Notice in particular that God's wisdom here is made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places, Paul says. Beloved, our revealed mystery, the gospel that we have, this gospel is something that angels long to understand, 1 Peter 1. And do you remember, do you remember what the Lord Jesus told us in Luke chapter 15? Luke 15, that when we open our mouths and we open our, when we open our Bibles and when we open our mouths and the Spirit of God is pleased to open the eyes of the blind, making them a fellow heir and a member, a partaker in Jesus Christ, Jesus said, I tell you, there is rejoicing before the angels of God in heaven over one sinner who repents. When we open our mouths and we open the Bible and we tell people about Jesus and the Spirit of God opens their eyes, God receives great glory even from the angels in heaven. So why is the mystery revealed? To bring God glory. But beloved, the mystery is also revealed for your good. For your good. Certainly for all the good that we've already considered this morning, not, not least than our very own salvation. But in verse 12, Paul says that this revealed mystery gives us boldness and confidence and faith to not lose heart in the midst of suffering. Boldness, confidence, faith to not lose heart in the midst of suffering. When we open our Bibles and open our mouths to make known the wisdom of God, what ought we to expect in this world? What ought we to expect? Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 1 Corinthians chapter 1, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. The Apostle Paul rarely asks questions without giving us answers. Praise the Lord. When we open our mouths and open our Bibles and tell people about Jesus, we have great boldness and great confidence and great faith as we do this. But what ought we to expect in this world? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 through 25. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since, in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God, through the folly of what we preach, to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs, and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jew and Greek, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And so, beloved, when we open our Bibles and open our mouths to make known the wisdom of God in Jesus Christ, we should do so with great boldness and great confidence and great faith, but we should also expect great suffering. We must speak 
plainly all of God's word to God's world. And most centrally is the gospel, Christ crucified for sinners. Because it is the power of God, and it is the wisdom of God, and it is sufficient to do the work of God by the Spirit of God. But when we do, when we do speak so plainly, beloved, you can know that the word of the cross is folly to a dying world. You can know that the word of the cross will be mocked by a dying world. Jews may stumble and Gentiles may castigate you as a fool, but take courage, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And so, beloved, press on. Press on. Keep going in the fight of the good fight of the faith with great boldness and great confidence and great faith, even when you encounter great suffering. Well, Paul ends our section this morning by saying that his particular suffering for being a minister of the mystery of Christ leads to glory, that it leads to glory. And I think that therein lies the pattern of the entire Christian life, suffering, then glory. The Lord Jesus himself suffered on the cross only to be raised in power and ascended in glory. And beloved, we are no greater than our master. We too will suffer in this life should the Lord tarry until our bodies lie in the grave as we suffer in death. But beloved, suffering, then glory. Suffering, then glory. This is why the mystery was revealed to us. And you can see the wisdom of God and the inspiration of God across the ministry of the apostles and prophets when we read this in 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore and confirm and strengthen and establish you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen and amen. Let's pray. God in heaven, we are debtors. This is true. We are in need of your grace and of your mercy. And we are so glad that in Jesus Christ, we receive both. So God, I pray that we would take this mystery revealed to us in this text and that we would tell the world about it. And God, I pray that you would bring forth the fruit of the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. As we look forward to that great day when Jesus will come in glory and our suffering will cease and we will be with Jesus forever. Amen.